Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Pass. <laughs> hey, y'all, what's up? Uh, froth here. Welcome to my Froth Cast. That is what I'm calling this new uh, podcast I'm doing. I uh, was thinking about a different way to interact with folks, talking about RPGs. I've got my blog up there, uh, the Thought Eater blog, frothsopdnd.blogspot.com. Uh, that I use, but I just don't have the time or inclination to type so much anymore. Um, I do occasionally do a series on uh, read-throughs of the old TSR RPGA uh, polyhedron newsine um, on there, but uh, I just don't get into the the blogging as much as I used to. I used to do a lot of house rules and stuff for 4th edition, but um, just... You know, I kind of played that out, and so I'll occasionally do something there. And then, uh, with uh, Google Plus dying, I've uh, joined uh, MeWe. There's kind of a fairly large-sized RPG crowd over there, and I'll do some reviews um, over there with some of the audio features they have. Uh, but I wanted a way to uh, talk more, uh, just put my thoughts out there about RPGs and stuff in general, um, and uh, this anchor app makes it super easy i'm not somebody that is uh really technologically savvy um and this made it so simple that um i'd seen some other uh, people that uh, i follow around social media using it so i thought i'd give it a try and um so here we are so hope you enjoy it if you like it follow along if you uh had ever thought about podcasting and didn't really know where to get started. Uh, this Anchor app, super easy to use. If you, you can always remember, if Froth can do it, you can do it. So, I wanted to talk a little bit today about um, live stream games, live stream RPG games, not video games, but uh, tabletop gaming. Just my thoughts in general about it. It was something I wanted to do maybe a blog on, but the thought of typing that all out just... Uh, Drove me to podcasting, put it that way. So, um, anyway, I kind of, in some ways, I'm a natural cynic, but I try to repress that a little bit when it comes to gaming and just um, hobbies and stuff in general. Because, you know, when it comes down to it, there's no right or wrong with stuff like that. It's kind of what you're into, what you like. Um, so, and people, different people are different. So, but the cynical side of me just, I, I didn't, I had kind of an aversion to it at first, uh, when it started to really proliferate, uh, a few years ago and get more and more popular. I tried to take a look at it, see if I could get into it and just did not click with me. Um, I did find myself looking at other YouTube stuff, uh, you know, interviews, um, game reviews, Sometimes I'd maybe look at something to see how the mechanics of a game worked a little bit or whatever. But as far as treating this stuff like entertainment and a show, it just, whatever, didn't click. Uh, stuff didn't click for me. Then, over the holiday break, I was uh, curious about the new Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition game. Uh, it's not something I ever played before. I have a World of Darkness book that I, you know, so I know a little bit about how the system you know, the general system works. I also have an adventure, 
It's like a pulp game book that uses uh, the same storyteller system. So I kind of know a little bit about how the system works, but as far as the whole fad and craze of the vampire stuff uh, when it came out, that completely uh, passed me by. Um, but with uh, Kenneth Height working on the new edition, I was curious about it, seeing how it worked, get a look at it. So anyway, there is a channel, YouTube channel, Geek and Sundry, that does a lot of different live stream games. They have a Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition game on there. And I was surprised to find myself really enjoying it, getting into it enough to where I've watched, you know, whatever, six, six or so three-hour episodes of it. So I actually enjoy the show. It's not perfect, but um, it's entertaining enough to keep me watching and liking it. So it got me thinking about, at least, you know, all this is just my opinion, but what I think makes a good, what makes a good live stream RPG show and what makes a bad show. Alright, I thought I'd share my thoughts on that with y'all today. So anyway, number one is game system. And this can be a little counterintuitive because, you know, D&D will always be, you know, near and dear to my heart. The main thing I've played uh, the most of, uh, most nostalgia for me from the old days of learning to play and, and all that. But, um... Just because you love the system doesn't mean it's fun to watch other people <laughs> playing it. Um, I think you need, for these to be successful in my mind, or for me to enjoy it, you need a game system that can really get out of the way. And so the more exception mechanics and the more, honestly, kind of the more sloggy and slow the combat can be, and the more times, like with 5th edition, you know, when players have, you know, like nine different, like, special named powers and abilities that kind of disconnect you from the actual story and action uh, that cause people to, or a GM to have to go look for a rules reference or somebody have to explain a mechanic or... This, that, and the other, um, it takes you out of it. Because these shows ultimately are entertainment. It's a little bit different than, um, you know, it's not the same as playing at your own table, playing in your own game. This is kind of like a show. So, you know, and some people criticize it for that, you know, but uh, it is what it is. If you're going to watch something, it's really going to be there kind of for entertainment. And, you know, so um, I think that the game systems that where the system is not so prevalent up front. It's more about role play with the occasional kind of game mechanic thrown in that works the best. And that kind of goes with the D and D too. The shows that are more successful that I can tolerate more than a few minutes of watching are not the ones that really are using the battle maps and the minis and getting so much into combat. Now I've always used minis, even with first edition, we used buttons, you know? So, I'm not dogging on minis or anything anything like that. What I'm saying is that for the entertainment value, it's important for it to kind of that kind of stuff at least for me to stay in the background. For example, I looked took a look at one show and, you know, it started off and they're having combat with this dragon, you know. And so the game this is 5th edition D&D. And so it was immediately, okay, I do Puka's Revenge. And, oh, okay, I do 
Shars Johnson or whatever, you know what I mean? It's all these weird names that have nothing to do, that don't feel like what you're actually doing in a lot of the cases. And then it was like, okay, you got to make this save. And so somebody's going to do the save. Okay, I'm going to do this reaction to that. Okay, you do this. Okay, you have this condition and blah, 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 blah. And so it slogs through around to that. And so I'm like, okay, I can't, can't watch this. Make it stop and fast forward to see if something's going to happen. Skip ahead an hour and they're still fighting the same dragon. And it's just like, oh, no. You know, no one has the charm or charisma to make that watchable in my mind. So game system. Uh, that's one of the cool things about the vampire thing. Um, and this is what makes, I think, Call of Cthulhu is another game that's kind of watchable. Because in Call of Cthulhu, if you get into a ton of combat, you ain't going to make it too long. You know, you, uh, when you are looking at something, you're maybe making a, an accounting role or, you know, a, an occult role. Stuff that actually the name of the mechanic coincides with what the character is actually doing so it doesn't take you as far out of it as some of the other games could i mean you could probably think of a lot of you know uh you know rules you know games with a lot of high rules complexity that would just really be unwatchable unless you're just watching it to learn how to play and so the vampire game has some mechanics and stuff, but they they tend to feel like what the player is actually doing, the terminology, and then it's just kind of a quick roll, count the successes, and move on. So, anyway, number one thing to me for a live stream game is making it watchable is the game system. Number two thing, as you might imagine, is a great game master, um, somebody that knows the rules well enough to be able to improvise and react on the fly without getting bogged down and having to go check on things or seem confused or whatever else. Um, also someone that since it is, uh, something you're watching for entertainment, I mean, this is good advice, I guess for any GM, but especially something you're watching as entertainment, somebody that knows how to engage the entire table, uh, so that you're, you know, that no one, player is dominating every scene uh so that kind of makes it more feel more cinematic to have all the characters involved and that is partly on the gm to do that ask different the different players what they're doing keep them engaged uh, make it feel more like a storyline because you're going to have all kinds of different players just like in real life some people are more quiet some people are more outgoing that's totally normal and natural but you got to be conscious of that, I think, if you're doing one of these shows. Also, someone that's very good at giving descriptions, being very descriptive, uh, tastes, smells, sounds. Somebody can act out NPCs. You know, these are not the easiest things in the world. These are stuff that really come with time and experience with GMing. That's why you know my main GM advice is always to not over-prepare and then just to play and learn as you go because... You can learn more about playing than you can from, you know, reading or listening to anybody. But, um, so this is stuff that's a lot easier said than done, but a good GM is going to be very able to be very descriptive, very responsive to not have to be constantly checking the rules and, uh, someone that keeps everyone else engaged. So, you know, if you find a GM like that, <clears throat> keep them. But, um, I think, 
as I flip around and check out some of these different shows I've been doing recently, it's really easy to tell when you have a great GM or even a decent GM or GMs that, you know, maybe saw a couple of these shows, thought, hey, I can do that. And it turns out, no, you really couldn't do that. Sorry, you couldn't do it that well. Um, but, you know, maybe you, you get better. But anyway. Also, the players. Um, you know, on a show like this, it's entertainment. Sometimes I'll see, I mean, there's some people out there that are really just trolls, but um, people being really critical, oh, these are just trained actors, blah, 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 and whatever. And a lot of them are uh, actors or between jobs or actors that like to play. And, um, you know, but as a player on these shows, you've got to be engaged. You've got to role play, play your character. You know, there's not, if you're super, super shy, a lot of people are super shy and still enjoy playing, and that's totally fine. Or you have them at your table. It's nothing about being a good or bad person or anything. But if you're on a basically the equivalent of a TV show and uh, for entertainment value, you know, players have to be engaged. I mean, maybe you're playing a character that is quiet or reserved or whatever, but you're still going to have to act that out. Um, so, you know, having act, uh, you know, players that are our good role players or good actors stay very engaged in the game because uh, you can't be flipping on your phone or anything like that when you're on on these shows. So engaged players that that role play, that stay in character, that are um, active participants in the game is really important. Well, you'll notice a lot of this stuff kind of overlaps with what the ideal table is. But you know, I have players on my tables that are. Some are much more outgoing than others, and but everyone still has fun. Uh, but in, in a show for entertainment value that people are actually watching, uh, I think what makes a show good is to have um, players that are engaged and outgoing in, in the sense that they're actually playing their characters and they keep it up. And they don't ever kind of zone out of the game, you know what I mean? Last thing I would say, <clears throat> as far as uh, what makes these shows, what makes one of them successful to me, and this is kind of the toughest one, I think, for a lot of people, is the budget. Um, you know, uh, on this Geek and Sundry, uh, for example, they've got a Star Trek show that looks kind of interesting. Some of the players from the vampire thing are, are on that. So I was thinking about checking that out. It's got the modifious uh, 2D20 system that I've been curious about anyway. I've kind of read a little bit about that, but it's really hard. I've read a little like the Conan um, book, but seeing that system get played would probably make it a lot easier to kind of understand. Um, but anyway, they've got like this set that's kind of set up like Star Trek and people dress like, uh, Star Trek folks and everything. So just that alone kind of makes you like, oh, click this, check it out. So the budget really, even from the get-go, is going to really help, you know, the look of it's going to help you get viewers or garner interest just right there. And, um, you know, so also if you look at some of the stuff, like, you know, some people just put up a hangouts, you know, where it's just, you know, a few faces in the corner and then whoever's talking, their face comes up and that's fine, but it's not really going to take a great, it's going to take a great system or a great GM or really, really something somebody's really interested in to make 
me at least want to sit and watch that because it's just kind of not attractive to watch. It's not interesting. And so you'll see people trying to dress up the Roll20 interface with uh, overlays that'll you know, make it look more dynamic. Um, you see people adding things where, you know, it'll pop up that a new viewer or visitor's there or pop up if someone makes a donation that'll trigger things in the game or, you know, different ways to try to make it look better. People with different sets, you know, audio is a big deal on it. If it has crappy audio, like just a hangouts on air, well, sometimes somebody is way quieter than another or they have, different people have crappy microphones. And then you watch one of these more professional ones with a budget and the audio is really crisp and then you got multiple video angles and it's all HD quality. It makes a difference. Now, it's a difference that, honestly, you can't, a lot of people aren't going to be able to do anything about it. I mean, not everybody, you know, very few people have the budget or the, the resources and everything to be like one of these more professional shows, but... I would say to cross that line from being really amateur to, you know, giving yourself a shot at, at being something that's really successful with a lot of viewers, um, finding ways, looking for free resources or coming up with ways to at least sharpen the audio and video is going to be something that's important. Um, now notice I'm not, I'm putting that last because I really think the game system is the number one thing. I'd rather watch somebody in grainy video with bad sound playing a game that um, stays out of the way and makes for good entertainment as opposed to watching something in the highest quality possible that is, you know, spending 10 minutes on hit locations and, you know, adjudicating how, uh, you know, the hit effects, you know. So it's not the top most important thing to me, but... It is still important. It's a way to sharpen it, to take it to the next level, to really, I think, bring in clicks if that's what you're trying to do. And again, this is just all my opinion. So, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to say about it. Now, well, you know, I've changed my views on it. I can say that. Um, there are certain things I find, you know, whereas I wouldn't have been able to tolerate two seconds of it before. Now I'm willing to take you know take a minute to take a look at it. Um, there's still not a lot that's appealed to me, but there's enough there to where uh, it's just another way um, to keep gaming and hobbying in your life. You can't play all the time. I wish I could play a lot more than I do, but for uh, days, nights that I have some time and I'm not able to play, or you know, and I can take a look and watch something. Um, and uh and take a look at it i enjoy it so you know that's a way that I, i've changed since i started looking at it and i think that uh, those things that i listed are are responsible for that so anyway uh if you if you tuned in and, and checked this out and listened to it uh i really appreciate that uh, i think people that you know put out blog posts or podcasts or anything like this you know uh like to get feedback and just know that someone checked it out so if you have any kind of posts or thoughts or anything about what i've talked about or anything in general let me know now as far as budget goes we're in no danger here of me having any great soundtrack music or budget on this thing anytime soon so this is gonna be <laughs> pretty uh low frills i'm not exactly uh able to use my own advice on the budget thing but um 
this is just something that, you know, I like to share my opinions. I like to talk about uh, role-playing games and stuff like that. So that's, you know, that's my motivation for doing this. Um, so as other thoughts come to my mind, things I want to talk about, things that I don't have the, uh, the patience to sit and type out, um, I'll maybe throw up a, a froth cast for you. So appreciate you listening and, uh, see you guys around. Talk to you next time.